today I'm actually, and if you know anything about judges, Samson is actually the last judge in the book of Judges. Anybody know that? So, what's going to happen? Crazy, right? So, I did that on purpose because I, I if, if you want to know what's happening in December, I'm going to talk more about December probably at the end of the message, but we're going to be looking at uh, pursuing the king. And so it's obviously, we know Jesus is the king, right? So we already know the answer to who the king is. But uh, it's a lot of fun. It's going to be great looking at um, the, the king and what it means for him to be our Lord and king. Because a lot of times we focus a lot on the friend, but what does it mean to be the king? So the last judge in the Bible is not in Judges. It's in, he's in 1 Samuel and um, if you know the book of Samuel, which maybe many of you do, it's about this guy named Samuel. There you go, you got it. Pop quiz, real easy, right? His name is in the title. So Samuel, if, if you know who he is, uh, he, was a, he was the son of Hannah. So Hannah was a lady who, um, she, she was married to this guy, and, and so he had another wife too, and she had... This, the other wife had a bunch of kids, and so Hannah one time was, well, many times, went to the temple and worshiped and prayed God for a child. And so, you know, there's this whole stuff going on with Hannah, and uh, it's a pretty amazing story. If you don't know the story of Hannah and Samuel as a little boy, read it. So we're starting in chapter 8. So after Samuel has, has grown up, uh, Samuel is a is a young man. He spent time in the temple. He slept next to the Ark of the Covenant, and God called him to be the prophet and the judge of Israel. So Samson was there, and we know what happened with him. Killed lots of people, did a lot of you know interesting things, and then so there was wickedness in the land again. So we see that... that Israel is struggling again. Just like in Judges, there's that idea that, that, well, somebody came along, helped save them, and now they're following God again. But as soon as that guy died, then they started falling back into idolatry and falling away from God. And so Samuel is this man who gets, uh, who comes and starts following after God. So verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges for Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel. And the name of his secondborn was Abijah. Abijah. And they served in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in, the way, in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel in Ramah. They, they said to him, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But Samuel, but when they said, give us a king, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. So I'm going to stop there. So, again, what's happening? Chaos in the land. And so if you know, when Samuel was younger, 
Eli, right, the high priest, and we know his sons, again, terrible. Um, and now Samuel's sons, not following after God. So the people come to him and they say, you know what, the world is awful. You're like, you're great, you're about to die, we need somebody who can lead us, so give us a king. And so we find that, that they say, give us a king to lead us, right? And so, so Samuel was, was upset about this, and if you remember from Gideon, Gideon also, the, the people, so Gideon fought the war, he killed all the guys, and, and they won, and they said, lead us, be our ruler or king. And he said, no. God is your king. The Lord be your king. The Lord be your ruler. And so the same idea is coming back that Israel had no king, and that is why they fell away from God. But the interesting thing is who should have been their king, which is who Gideon said long ago, God is your king. And so again, Samuel is recognizing that there's this problem going on that, that, that you shouldn't shouldn't need a king, and especially because everybody else is having a king. Just because everybody else is doing it, why should you do it, right? You know that, that old phrase, just because everybody else is jumping off a bridge, does that mean you should, or however that exactly goes? No. Just because everybody else has a king, just because everybody else has somebody they're looking to and they're saying, that guy is going to fix all our problems, does not mean that it's what God wants for us today. They were choosing to be followers. They wanted be followers. It's funny, in today's culture, today's society, there's a lot about leadership, right? There's a lot of people talking about how to be a good leader, what it looks like to be a good leader, and what it looks like to be a bad leader, and all this, all this leadership stuff. There's, there's books and books and books written about it in, in, in the Christian realm and in the secular realm. So much stuff about it. But it's funny, if you look up why people choose to be a follower, it's very difficult to find anything about why people choose to be a follower instead of a leader. Because people today are very, I'm in charge mindset. At least in our country, I don't know about the rest of the world, but here we want to be in charge, we want to be the leader, we want to be, we don't want to be under other people, which is probably not the best mindset in reality. But, so I looked up this, this idea of why do some people choose to be followers rather than leaders themselves. And so I did find an answer from this guy who has a PhD in like business and all this kind of stuff. And I found it very interesting because I think he hit the nail on the head of why many people today just wish somebody else would fix their problems. And why back then they said, just give us a king like everybody else. Because clearly everybody else has got it going on. So he said, shortly put, it's easier not to handle responsibility. Responsibility is difficult, right? He said most people would, would see themselves as leaders and be in control, but in reality, shrink away from responsibility when things get real. To lead or to take command of things requires huge dedication and a lot of work, and it's easier to take the path that has already been well-trodden and safe. To lead also requires risk-taking, since you are doing most of the things your way and not following someone else's method. Israel was the only group of people who didn't have a king. 
they were not following the well-trodden, safe path, the, the idea that, well, so if, if God is your king, God is your Lord, then that means you are responsible to fulfill his commands, his calling, his leading without him being around. This idea of integrity comes to mind. You know, integrity is doing what is right when no one is around. I believe that was C.S. Lewis who said that. And too often, Israel and us would much rather have somebody say, I'm in charge, I'll take care of it, I'll fix all the problems. Because if we're the ones responsible to just us and God following after him, whether we, we 100% know where he's calling us or what he's doing is difficult. It's much easier to say, well, okay, I'm just going to follow what this guy said, and, you know, he's going to fix all my problems. And that's what Israel was hoping for. But the problem is that they're flawed. All humans, besides Jesus, are flawed people. And Samuel and and all the other judges that we've looked at, Gideon, Samson, all of them had a major flaw. Even though they were able to lead the people somewhat, fairly well, right? And we can see in today's culture, today's world, in the church, out of the church, there's people who, who were like, oh, that person knows what to do, that person we can follow, that person we can go after, but in reality, we're all very flawed. It's only through Christ that we are set free, that we are new creations. And if it wasn't for Christ, who knows where we'd be today? So we must say Christ is our king, Christ is our head, and then under that, we can, we can come together and help lead each other pointing to Christ, because if somebody is leading, whether it's me or anybody else, and they're leading, and I'm in charge, I'm the king, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, but they're not saying, because of Christ, I'm pointing to Christ. If I'm not pointing to Christ, then we're incorrect in our leading. You know, like I said, there's lots of things about leadership, and they're all interesting and maybe helpful, but in reality, if, if Christ is not the center if he is not the king first and only, right? We don't have multiple kings. We have one king, only one king. Then we're going to be flawed and have problems. So back to, back to when uh, Samuel was praying to God. So verse 7, so he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them and warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. Samuel told the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will do. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. 
and they will run in front of his chariot. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest. And still others make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be performers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vinegar and give it to his officials and attendants. Your manservants and maidservants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of, his, of your flock and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. And the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said. We want a king over us. Then we will be like other nations, and the king will lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard this, heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them, give them a king. Then Samuel said to the men of Israel, everyone go back to your town. And then it goes on and he, he finds a king. So we're not going to read the next like couple chapters because what, what happens, it continues. God said, fine, give them a king. Turn them over to their sin. And then he goes on and sends them all home and, and he, he finds Saul and he anoints Saul as the king. He's the, he's the big, tall, you know, handsome looking man that everybody wants to be the king. You're like, oh yeah, that guy. You know, he's the one that we want to lead us. He's the one that we want to be in charge. But then we know that Saul ends up falling away from God and, and not, list, not following after God. And, and all the people are crying out because what happens exactly what God had warned, what Samuel had warned happened when Saul was their king. And then, and then David comes along and there's this line of kings and David comes along. And even David, the man after God's own heart, was a flawed hero because what happened with him? We all know the story of how he was up on the roof and got a little distracted by some pretty people, by a pretty lady. There's a little kid in the room, so that's all I'm going to say about that today. But you know what I'm talking about. And so the man after God's own heart, and so he steals someone else's wife, essentially the exact same thing as Samuel was saying. Why are we looking for people to lead us when God says, I'm your king, I'm your Lord, I will lead you. If you follow after me, I will provide for you, I will take care of you. If you follow after me, I will bring you into the land of, of, of good. I will, I will turn your mourning into laughing. I will turn your sorrow into joy. I will turn your dark into night. I will, because I am. Why are we looking for people? It happens all the time. The main idea here is that we must look to Christ or God as our King, our Lord, our Savior, all that we are, 
not ourselves, because just like what he mentioned, a lot of us, right? We're all looking for the self-help. I'm in charge now. I'm the leader. Follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ, Paul said. If I'm not pointing to Christ, I shouldn't be the leader. Don't follow yourself. Don't follow others as your king because it's easy sometimes for other people to fix my problems if I'm feeling depressed, if I'm feeling this or the, the world looks like this or, you know, our, our economy is in the dumps. We need this and that and all these other outside things to fix the problem. Why can't we be like everybody else who just, it's not my problem anymore. I picked you to fix all my problems. Why aren't you fixing all my problems? Because they're flawed just like each one of us, just like all of the judges we've looked at. And then the kings, after that, they're flawed. That's why we must pursue the king. Not king me, not king of our land, or president, or whatever title you want to give them. Essentially, it's the same idea. Not me, not you. The king, the real king, the Lord of all lords and the king of all kings, Jesus Christ, because the only one who can truly fix any problems is Christ. And now, yes, we can help each other. You know, it it says cast your cares on, on him because he cares for us. And when we do that, when we come together, you know, as the body of Christ in, in community, we can care for each other. And so as, as little Christs, right, that's what Christians mean, little Christs or reflections of him, we can help each other build up and help fix problems. But in reality, God wants to be our end-all solution. If we're not running to him first, we're missing some great things that he would have for us. The people of Israel saw the problem. I don't know if any of you have seen a problem, maybe in in your household, in your marriage, in your kids, in your grandparents, in your neighborhood, in your town, in this church, in our nation, in the world. Maybe you've seen a problem or two somewhere. Can all of you agree with that? Somewhere? Yeah? Maybe your workplace? So there's a problem. And it's good to recognize that there is a problem because there's lots of problems. And, and if you boil it all down, do we know what the real root of the problem is? The root of the problem is sin. Right? And what is the only real lasting solution to sin? Jesus Christ. So when, when we look around and we see the problems, instead of running to someone and saying, well, you need to fix this, you need to, you need to change this because I need somebody to fix all these problems. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm recognizing all the problems in, in my life, in the world, and, and I, it's just, I don't want that responsibility. But what if God is calling you in your little portion of the world to be responsible for bringing his light into the darkness? Christ said that that he is the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world, right? And then in John, we see that we are children of the light. We are little lights in the world. If we have come to Christ and we have made him the king and the Lord of our lives, we are those lights now. So instead of saying, I hope somebody else will brighten my situation, ask Christ to brighten in you so that you know through the power of the Holy Spirit how to change the situation, the wrong thinking, 
A lot of times we, we just look to the, the other people in our, in our lives and we think, oh, you know, there, there's a problem over there. Somebody needs to fix that. And you, you, you pick certain people, right? There's certain people in our lives that maybe it's the go-to person who, who is the problem solver. Maybe, maybe in your household it's your dad, right? Or, or maybe it was your dad and he's passed away. You know, that was the person that you always went to as the problem solver. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. They've, you know, maybe they've been blessed with gifts and talents. But people aren't perfect. We're going to let down. I'm going to let people down. I'm going to be the first one that say, well, you know, there's a problem here. Go tell pastor, you know, go, go make him do it. Go, go have him do it. And you know what? I will probably let you down. And I'm sorry if I have in the past, and I'm sorry that I will in the future because all of us are flawed. But Christ will never let you down. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When we attempt to solve our problems by following a person or an idea, we're simply telling God that we don't want Him and that we can't handle the responsibility that Christ has given to us. Right? That's what God said. He said, He said, turn the page, but he said, they're not rejecting you, but they're rejecting me. Whenever we get so caught up in the hype of the world around us, right? Israel was saying, we want to be just like everybody else. We want to be just like everybody else in having a king, having somebody who will who, fight our battles for us. Well, God called you to fight the battles, who will go and, and do something for us, but God has called you. And then, and then we get so caught up in that, and then, and then when, we, when things kind of turn out our way, right, God said, well, give them a king. And then it turned out okay, but then they came back to God. They're like, but, but there's a problem. This person that we've picked, this person that we're following is not, not, not really what I had in mind. There was this perfect picture, this, this cookie cutter you know, solution, this, this, this round peg, and, and it was going to fit right there, but now it's like not fitting anymore. It kind of fit a little bit, but now it's not fitting. God, help us. God says, why, didn't you want this? You picked this. Let's not be people who reject God in this idea that we have the responsibility to be the light in the world. We have the responsibility to help the situation, to be the change that, that, that is just needed so much in the world, to be the light in the darkness, go into all the world and preach the gospel. making disciples, right? I, I truly believe that, that instead of looking for, for a big fix, if we would start with one, if each person would help point someone to Christ, lead someone to Christ, and disciple one person next year. What if you spent a year discipling one person? How many churches are there in America? Anybody have any idea? There's a, there's a lot, yeah. There's over 300,000, over 300,000. I believe it's closer to 500,000 churches in America. So if that's the case, and then the average amount of people in a church in America is about 60. Do you know that? 
we always talk about the giant churches. Everybody sees the, you know, the, 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 the Bethel or the, you know, elevation on TV and all those giant ones. The average church has about 60 to 70 people in it. But think about this, 300,000 churches, 70 people, what if every single person discipled one person in the way of Christ? Do you think that would bring a lot more of a change in this culture than any random person over there? What if it started here? What if each of us with our tiny little light and said, well, my light's not that bright, I, you know, I, but I... I can help this person. I can light your light. You know, we, we talk about that with like, you know, candlelight services and stuff like that. But if you are the light and you have something to share because we don't hide a light under a bushel, right? You let it shine. We don't, you don't put a city on a hill. That's what the church is supposed to be, right? We are called to be the people who multiply. What if we became a culture that discipled, a culture that, that became, hey, let me walk with you instead of like, well, see, you clearly have a problem. Let me call Pastor Andy because he knows how to fix problems. And okay, you can absolutely call me. You know, let people know, point people to me, absolutely. But what if God is calling you to have that responsibility for that one person, that two people, that five people? What if? There was a change like that. And that's what, that's what, that's what this whole concept is about. And, and we see throughout Judges that, that they didn't need someone to lead them because God was their leader. But they were not training up others. It's amazing, right? Eli, the head, the high priest of Israel, Eli. He was the one who went and literally like, walked into the very presence of God and did, did the sacrifices, and, and he was there. And, and it's amazing this, when, when you look at the, the tabernacle and the curtain that was there, it was, it was like feet thick. And the presence of God was in there. You went in there, and they had a bell around their ankle and a rope because people dropped dead if they weren't holy enough. You just got to drag them out, right? That guy missed it because he didn't disciple his sons. Even Samuel didn't disciple his sons the way he should have because they fell into, fell into um, cheating people and taking bribes and dishonest gain. What if it started with one? Yes, Samuel did a lot of amazing things, and as, as, as you read you know, Samuel, you see amazing things that God called him, and he, he ministered to people, and he was there, and he, he, helped, he helped Saul try to stay on the right path, and he helped David, you know, and he did amazing things, but he was still a flawed hero, just like all of us. But if God is saying, help that person, all right, let's walk together. How can I be a person that brings a change in someone else's life, and then that person can bring a change in someone else's life? I was talking to, um, you probably don't know who he is, but Dave Bellis. Pastor Dave Bellis is, is the um, Northwest, Dis or no, he's the IFCA Education Director. So he's over the education department of the whole IFCA. I was talking to him this past weekend. actually missed a service. I got yelled at by Kevin. Because I was talking to, <laughs> we stayed in the lobby and talked. Sorry. See, I, I failed too. 
But so we were talking about this, this concept of, um, of discipleship and what it means to really change one person at a time because it's amazing. So there, the IFCA has this Bible college now, and if you're, if you're interested in learning more about the Bible college, it's amazing. Pastor Dave loves talking about it. But the Bible college was started by a guy that Dave discipled about 30 years ago. So this college that is now like worldwide um, is, is helping to, you know, raise up pastors and missionaries and, and, and um, worship leaders. Dave used to work with this guy as he was a copier man. I think he worked for Xerox or something like that. They were salesmen. And Dave realized that, that maybe he didn't know who God was. And so he was like, well, I'm working with this guy all the time. I don't know the circumstances, but he was with this guy all the time. And he came to the conclusion that God was giving him a responsibility to witness and to share with this guy. And he shared the love of Christ with that guy, not just once, but for years they walked together and Dave led him on this journey into salvation and, and into maturing in Christ. Now this guy moves to California and then meets up with Dave again 20 years later. And now he has started this Bible college. They're, they're ministering to people all over the world. There's people getting saved. There's new churches being planted. Why? Because Dave was willing to take the time to share his light with one guy. What if you shared your light? discipling one person. We don't know who we're impacting because Samuel was too busy in his church responsibilities, in his judge responsibilities, in his prophet responsibilities. He missed out on the ability to teach his sons the way he was supposed to. That's a hard thing to say because sometimes we say, well, this is important stuff. This is really good stuff. We're, we're, we're so focused. We're, we're over here. And, you know, and, and for me, that's something I need to make sure that I'm following the Holy Spirit. And for you as, as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, what can we do to make sure that we're not saying, well, this is more important than you are? And yes, the Word of God and, and, and ministry and stuff like that is very important, but if I'm old like Samuel and my son and daughter are like his kids, I've missed something very big that I had the responsibility to do. And now if maybe your kids are grown and you're feeling like, well, you know, I, I tried and they're, they're, they're grown up now, but they've, they've, they've walked away from God or they've, they've ran away, it's never too late. It's never too late to reach out and begin again, which is why I'm so thankful, right? Because God, because Samuel, like when, when he's telling all the people that all this bad stuff the king is going to do, and then, and then if they caught, cry out to God, then he's just going to be like, well, too bad. Essentially, that's what Samuel told them. And we know that's not, that's not exactly what happens because God is unconditionally loving and has unconditional grace and mercy, way more than us. Why? Because he's not a flawed hero. He is 
the perfect hero. He is the all in all that we need. He is everything that we could ask for and even more. I believe it's so important that we, that we realize this because if, if we just spend the time hoping somebody else will fix the problems, then, then we've missed one of the main commands, right? The Great Commission to make disciples, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. Each one of us is a minister. Maybe you don't have a title of pastor or minister. Maybe you do. All of us are ministers. All of us are missionaries, whether it's, it's to the other side of the world or it's to your <laughs> kids or neighbor. We're all missionaries. Where is your mission field? God is calling all of us to be people who, who lift up because he is our king. We are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador's job is to be the person who is here doing something, pointing on behalf of the real king. We don't want to miss this, miss the point. It's good to have leaders. It's good to have people who, who, are, who are like, you know, helping to show, you know, what's going on and lead things. And obviously, like, there's different jobs for different people. But in, when you boil it down, we're all called to work together. So it shouldn't be, well, it's that person's job, that person's job. How can you be a part of what God is calling to do? I, I've been thinking, you know, so, so it's almost Christmas time. I don't know if, so Black Friday is the day that we decorate for Christmas. I don't know if anybody else does has that fun tradition, but it's always a day off, so we always decorate for Christmas on Black Friday because it's after Thanksgiving. That's when you're allowed to decorate for, for Christmas. Some people, it's like June, and they're like, woohoo, Christmas time. You know, um, those people are silly. You know, in the radio, that's like, well, it's September. Okay, chill out. We don't want to be sick of Christmas music before it's even close to winter, Right. But so I, I've been thinking about this, you know, and, and so I enjoy Christmas and those um, ideas of like, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season kind of bumper sticker type things. Well, I, I think that's, that's fine, but I, I believe it's really missing the point because Jesus is the reason. Period. There you go. Period. Yeah. And yes, Christmas should be focused on Christ, but in reality, if he's not your reason for all seasons, you've missed something. Pursuing Christ as the king, not as a baby in a manger, will help to fix the problem. Because a baby in a manger can't do a whole lot to fix our problems. Can't do a whole lot to... To, to change our situation, but Christ, as the reigning king, can. And I think that's so amazing, right? So, so this, this coming December, we're going to be looking at, at Christ as the king, and obviously we're going to talk about Jesus in a manger because that's important to talk about. But I believe that, that we're going to look at um, 
what it means to Christ in lieu of being a baby in a manger, what that means as the king of all kings. Because in a time where people don't know where to turn, people are not sure about this decision, that decision, and it's difficult. There's a lot of decisions going on out there that we didn't have to worry about um, 10 years ago. But there is a king who's sitting on a throne, and his name is Jesus. We don't have to look to someone else. So I want to I wanna kind of help to like talk about what it means to to, to really kind of do this, to make sure that, that we can have an idea of, well, if we're doing this, then we're probably not looking to ourselves or looking to someone else as the king. And so, so the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and verse 11, and he said, um, so, he, so before this, he's talking about, you know, sinful things, and he's saying don't do a bunch of stuff, okay? We'll just leave it at that. Don't do a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of things that we shouldn't do in the world. We all agree. Verse 11, but you, man of God, flee from all of these and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made uh, your good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the sight of God who gives to everything, gives life to everything, and of Jesus Christ, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made a good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in uh, unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be the honor and might forever. Amen. So it's amazing, right? So, so he's, he's, he's charging Timothy, and I believe that this same charge can be sent to all of us, that the way we make sure that he is the king of all kings and the only ruler and the Lord of all lords is that we flee from those things that we, we get caught up in, the sin that so easily entangles in those things, whether it's good, because sometimes the good can so easily entangle that we get so focused, we forget what God has called us to do and the sin, right? There's so many so much sin in the world that even when we're new creations, we get caught up and, and it, it entangles us and gets caught in our mind and we need to cast that off or flee from it and pursue righteousness. First thing we must do is pursue righteousness. Are we following a person? Pursuing God because God is the only one who is truly righteous. You know, the, uh, the rich young ruler, I, I love what he says to to Jesus, right? He says, good teacher. And he asks, you know, how can I become saved or gain eternal life? And I love Jesus' response. Why do you call me good? Only God is good. I was like, Jesus, that's so funny to me. Because he was God, right? Yeah, but he said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. So only if we recognize that only God is good, 
That's where all good things must come from. Not our own ability, not our own strength, the righteousness that comes from Him, not from in ourselves, but we have been created in right standing or righteousness when, with Him as believers now. And godliness, seeking after Him, because, because so often those, those people that we want to rule us, those people we want to lead us, we end up putting a little godness on them, right? American Idol is the, the thing people talk about, right? Idol, you know, little g, God. We, we put that on people. Well, they're, you know, only God is God. There's lots of other counterfeits in the world. There's lots of other, you know, negative things in the world, but only God is the true I am. And then faith. Are you holding to faith? Are you hoping? Are, is your faith in who God is and knowing that because he loves you, right? Uh, Samuel said, you'll cry out to him when, when the king, you know, says you're going to take all the things and God's just not going to listen. He's going to say, well, you wanted this. So, but God is so unconditionally loving and merciful and grace and, and is full of grace for you. Are you, is your faith based in knowing that we may mess up again, may, might, probably, but he will always bring us back. He will always lift us up. He will always dust us off and say, you know what, my grace is for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. So don't, don't just stay down there saying, yep, well, I just messed up. I'm, I'm just going to stay in this sin. I'm just going to stay in this problem because God's grace. No, no, no. Go and sin no more. So he's going to lift you back up, but he's going to say, are you rejecting me? If you love me, do better next time. But it's okay because I'm still here. I won't leave you. And love. And I believe love is for God and for others. Love the, the people that you're with. Love endures. Love, and then the next one is endurance. Are we loving people? Because responsibility takes love. Responsibility takes love. If you've raised kids, if you have a puppy or a cat, responsibility takes love. If you're not caring or loving, you're not going to be able to be responsible for something. And then lastly, gentleness. Are you fighting the good fight in gentleness? Because in a world of chaos and, and, and harsh words, we'll say, are you being gentle in your love? Because I believe the, the fire that, that has been born and birthed inside of us can, can be used for good or for bad, right? A fire can warm. A fire can also burn your house down. Gentleness is so important. That if we're not being, and it's, the fruit, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to say, oh, Holy Spirit, help me to grow in gentleness because maybe I'm not being gentle. Maybe you are. Maybe you're the most gentle person in the world. I'm not. Sometimes I'm a, you know, hard-headed or whatever you want to call it, you know, and I'm not very gentle. Sometimes it's okay because the Holy Spirit will say, yep, you need to be a little more firm. But gentleness is so important because if we don't use gentleness in the way that we disciple, in the way that we lead, then maybe Saul, um, not Saul, Samuel 
didn't not have time for his sons, but because he wasn't gentle with them. He said, yep, this is what you do, but he wasn't gentle in his love and enduring through the hardships of them. They turned away. Gentleness is so important because gentleness turns away wrath. There's a lot of wrath going on for, for Christians, for non-Christians, for all kinds of people. People want to throw angriness and words and all kinds of wrath around. Gentleness turns away wrath, or a gentle word turns away wrath. Be a person of love and gentleness, saying that sin is wrong, but how can I bring you along into true forgiveness and hope? Can I have the band um, in gentleness? Because if we're not doing it with gentleness, we are We're not following what Christ did. We want to be image, imagers and, and, and show his light to the people around us. The Apostle Paul sometimes was uh, pretty harsh, but when it came down to it, he was very gentle in his understanding and, and bringing people along to the, uh, to the solution because he was not the ruler. He was not the king. He was not the Lord. And he talks about that. Why say I follow Paul? Why say I follow Paulus? Follow Jesus. He's the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. So as we, as we end this study of the flawed heroes and we start looking to the real hero who is our king, we start pursuing the king, and I, I encourage you to pursue the king all your life, every day, because the Christmas season is not just the time of year that we focus on Christ. He's the king in all seasons, in the seasons of great highs, where the world is all for you, the joy and the, the hope and everything is just going your way and he's the king of and he's the reason for the season in your depression in your anxiety in your worry when when the finances aren't aren't coming out right when when the you know everybody's turned against you when when all the words that are said to you are hurtful he's the reason for this season and this season not just for december but he's the reason for Christmas too. So I encourage you to make sure you're focusing on what could I do? You know, as we end 2021, what could I do to be a change maker in 2022? Maybe that's somebody you work with. Maybe it's somebody at your home or a next door neighbor. What could I do to be a change maker so that those people around us and ourselves are not looking for a king here on earth, but we're looking to the king? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. You are mighty. You are glorious. You are the one who conquered death. You, you saved us when we were still sinners. 
Thank you so much that, that we can look to you, that we can rely on you. We can say that, that I, I need you. I don't need somebody else. I don't need to look to myself to just do it on my own, to be the best me. I just need you because you will make me the best person I can be. As I point to you, as I focus on you, Lord Jesus, help us to, to recognize what it means for you to be our King, our Lord, and the reason in all of our situations, all of our circumstances. We don't want to fall to the trap of whatever the world's doing, whatever the people around us are doing. We want to focus on you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we ask that you speak to each person here. Thank you for giving direction. Thank you for giving understanding. Thank you for giving grace. Spirit, move like only you can move. like prayer, I would love to pray with you as we close in it.